Welcome to CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's award-winning podcast and Columbus's first business-focused podcast. Our show was presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. My name is Michaela Hunt, brand journalist and your host for CBuzz, where we bring you inside perspective and inspirational stories directly from leaders right here in our own Central Ohio business community. We are recording this episode inside our home at Capital University's Convergent Media Center, which is really a collaborative space for students and faculty to study music, film, creative writing, and digital media. We're glad you're here and grateful to tell stories through this platform. Today, we're sitting down with Amy Taylor, president of the Columbus Downtown Development Corporation and Capital South. CDDC and Capital South are private nonprofit development corporations, and they share a mission to lead catalytic, transformative developments in the heart of Ohio's capital city. While CDDC traces its roots to the implementation of the downtown strategic plan in 2002, Capital South has been supporting a re-emerging downtown since 1974, when it launched a modest mission to redevelop the area just south of Capitol Square. Also joining us today is Councilmember Nick Bankston with the City of Columbus. At the City of Columbus, Councilmember Bankston is focusing on small and minority business, technology, and economic development. I feel like we have a wealth of knowledge sitting in the room with us today. So Amy and Councilmember Bankston, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting us. Absolutely. Uh, glad to be here. So, okay, first of all, Amy, tell our listeners a little bit about your role at the CDDC. I, I have witnessed this, but you have been the creator of change and seen so much in your role over the years. We were talking about this before we got on the microphone. I mean, just there's so much you have done and continue to do. Well, there's so much that I get to be a part of, but it is a team effort, and we couldn't do it without the fabulous team at the Columbus Downtown Development Corporation. They're all passionate about downtown, and, and they choose to spend their time really reinforcing the, the, the thought that downtown is important to everyone, and as Mayor Coleman used to say, downtown is everybody's neighborhood, and we couldn't do it without our city partners and without the other partners in the community, the businesses, small and large, the downtown residents. All the people who believed in downtown, maybe before downtown believed in itself. And the past 20 years has shown what we all, I think, instinctually know, and that is that we can't be a suburb of nothing. That the reason downtown matters, no matter where you live, work, or play in the region, is that when people close their eyes and you say Columbus, Ohio, they think of downtown or Ohio State. And so we're proud to be part of that. We're proud to, to really influence what downtown can be. And when we started in, when I started in 2007, there was a, a lot of work to do. And I always like to say there's still a lot of work to do. It's just different kind of work. And when we looked at that 2002 plan, it was really policies. 2010 plan was really projects. And the plan that I got a chance to work with Mayor Andy Ginther, Council President Hardin, and Council Member Bankston on is about people. And it's finally the time where we're doing that intersection between places and people. It's so exciting to have them here. And we're going to dive into some of this through our conversation today. So I can't wait because there is so much you've done. And to your point, so much to come and your team as well. Um, council Member Bankston, so tell our listeners a little bit about your role as a council member and really how you came into public service. Yeah, you know, um, I'm excited about this conversation because I'm a Columbus kid. So born and raised in the city of Columbus. And so... As the city has grown up, I have grown up with it uh, and told to see downtown and see so many of the other amazing neighborhoods uh, emerge. I was just talking with my wife where we currently live uh, is the neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, but where our house is, it was trees and farmland. Uh, and literally, 
Now it is a neighborhood of over 500 homes, right, in a subdivision. Uh, and so for me to have this uh, seat that I sit in now to lead our city, a city that has really raised me, is quite an honor. You know, I've dedicated my life to public service. I had a chance to work for Mayor Coleman as well as Mayor Ginther uh, before running for city council. And so some of these catalytic projects that we see uh, downtown, I've seen them come to fruition, right? And I think that, you know, for me, it's, you know, we think of downtown and we think of everything that's happening and folks see orange barrels and they get frustrated by construction. Right. For me, orange barrels mean progress. Right, right. Um, and so to go through those growing pains and to see what comes out on the other side and to know that we're just at the tip of the iceberg is really exciting. Uh, so on my role, my role at city council, I chair economic development, which is probably the largest committee that focuses on our redevelopment efforts in downtown. And it's really focused on how do we create the atmosphere uh, for investment from both the business and public sector to really drive that quality of life infrastructure uh, that makes downtown not just simply a destination for tourism and that shining beacon of hope to folks outside the city, but that it becomes a neighborhood of choice uh, for folks. That is how we're going to get to the next chapter uh, of downtown and of our community is making sure that we have neighborhoods of choices that people want to live in and see themselves and their families thriving in. That people theme that Amy had brought up just a few minutes ago. Amy, Columbus is such a big city, is sprawling in different directions and into robust suburban communities. Why focus on downtown? You, you kind of started to touch on it a minute ago. I think the council members said it best. I mean, really, downtown is everybody's neighborhood. And cities that stand still fall behind. And if we're going to sit there and be stagnant and not invest, then we are not going to be competitive as we look across the country and as we look at our competitive cities. We want people living, working, and playing downtown. And I think the other part is it doesn't have to, it really can involve everyone. And that means when you go to Columbus Commons, my daughter once said, I don't have to bring a friend when I go to Columbus Commons because I know I'm going to make a friend. And I don't think we see that in all of the other suburbs or we see that in every neighborhood. And the reason is downtown should be the intersection where everybody feels welcome. Now, what we heard is that that may not be the case. And that's what this downtown strategic plan was really about. So tell us more about this downtown strategic plan. What did it tell you and, and why now? So it was the perfect time to do it. We did the last one in 2010. So just to walk you through quickly, 2002 was the strategic plan that launched the Columbus Downtown Development Corporation. It was right after Mayor Coleman took office. The public and private sector came together and said, we need to make a change. And what's the old adage? The worst enemy of great isn't terrible. When things are terrible, there's going to be people who come to the table with resources to make a change. The worst enemy of great is good because it's contentment. We were terrible. So we had a lot of people come to the table. In 1950, we had 30,000 people living downtown. It was a robust community, and it was multicultural. 30,000 people 30, in 1950? Yes. And then wow. the freeways came in like they did across the country, and they separated a lot of our vibrant neighborhoods. If you think Bronzeville was actually part of downtown, and then a freeway comes in and, and breaks it up. And so in 2000, we had about 3,000 people living downtown. And Mayor Coleman got up there and said, we're going to make it work. We're going to have 10,000 people. And we did. And we finally got 11,650. And I count every single one of them because we're so <laughs> proud. Um, but the best news is we've got things in the pipeline that are under construction right now that we're going to get to 15,000 by 2025. And we believe from the downtown strategic plan that we just did, we're going to get to 40,000 by 2040. 
Wow. And it's a stretch goal. It, and it, it is. It, 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 and so, but that's how you guys look at this when it comes to the future. You have to set some stretch goals. You have to set stretch goals. And you also, I think the reason that we doubled down on residents is we know that they're the tipping point for everything. More retail that people want to see, more activation. But I do, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that what we also heard wasn't just all attaboys. We got a lot of attaboys, Columbus Commons, Scioto Miles, Scioto Greenways. A lot of major community assets were put in place over the past 10 or 15 years. What we also heard is that some groups didn't feel like they were part of that prosperity and success. And if, if we don't hear that and internalize it and make a change, then it's never going to be different. And thanks to partners like the City of Columbus and Councilmember Bankston, we are not just talking the talk, we're walking the walk. So Nick, how are you helping them walk the walk with these groups that want to be part of the future? Um, it, it's funny, when we first got to City Hall uh, and I got briefed on the downtown strategic planning where we were, I jokingly said to Amy, I said, I think you guys were bugging my office uh, because my team for the better part of last year has been really working on this catalytic project uh, to drive ground floor re uh, retail. Uh, and not retail from a traditional standpoint, like a store or a restaurant, but really ground floor activity to activate the street level of downtown, to give it that jump start that it is coming back. Uh, there was one thing that really Amy said that, you know, we push on in our offices that downtown can't simply be a, a place of office anymore. It has to be about uh, residents. It has to be about being a neighborhood. And it is a part of our economic development strategy moving forward uh, as a city. Uh, you know, as a city, by and large, almost 80% of our budget comes from income tax. That is basic tax of where you work. With the rise of work from home, with the rise of remote work, I'm okay if you work from home, but I need your home to be in the city of Columbus. And so it's imperative now uh, that our economic development strategy is hinged upon placemaking and community development, places where people see themselves and want to live, right? Places where they want to walk out of their apartment from sitting on Zoom calls all day and go to a restaurant or go to a coffee shop, uh, places where they see themselves after work having happy hour with uh, their friends because they've been, again, stuck in this Zoom world. And so what we're really hyper-focused on is how do we create the amenities to attract folks to see downtown as not a destination, but as a place where they want to live. And so one of the things that we're working on is the downtown marketplace. And it really is focusing on primarily minority and women-owned businesses to jumpstart and be a catalyst uh, to this comeback for downtown. Because if it comes back, as Amy said, it can't be the downtown that it once was. It has to be reflective of everyone. Uh, we can't say that it's a downtown for all and folks not see themselves in it. So we uh, have to be intentional about that. And so my office and my priorities have been very focused on being intentional about how we invest our dollars and making sure that everyone sees themselves in downtown. One of my friends owns one of the shops on 3rd. I take it that's part of your efforts? Yeah, and so that was a great uh, effort by the Columbus Fashion Alliance, who's a catalyst in this work as well, and has worked with Amy uh, and her team. Um, and the secret about that is curation. It is about making sure that we have those businesses that are on the fringes that have a following to say, hey, you can have a foothold in downtown and bring that energy uh, with you. Uh, so common, uh, common threads, common threads yeah. uh, is the fashion district, if, yeah. I, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's an awesome uh, place to start. And it's for us, it's looking at opportunities like that. And how do we build from strength and build on that? You know, one of the things that is a blessing and a curse of our downtown is its size. 
right? We have one of the largest downtowns by landmass in the country. I was just in Nashville and I was thinking about that compared to Columbus. Yeah. yeah. 2.2 square miles. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and for, so, so for some folks, you know, when you go to a downtown, it feels very compact and everything is there. Well, I think for us, what we have the beauty in is that we can have distinct districts and distinct neighborhoods within the neighborhood, right? It is now about how do we invest in those? How do we cultivate them? And how do we connect them so that folks understand that downtown is a neighborhood of neighborhoods, uh, but it is the living room of Columbus and that everyone, no matter what your flavor is, you'll find something in it. You asked about um, about why downtown is important, and, and one thing I forgot to mention, downtown is 1% of the city's landmass, but it's 17% of the income tax base. And that income tax, if you think about it, downtown's a donor district. So for every dollar raised through downtown income tax, 90% goes back to the neighborhoods for important services from the city, like police, fire, um, you know, potholes and parks and rec and all of those things. And, and that's one of the reasons downtown matters. Also, we've got major problems in this region, affordable housing, um, where where people are not wanting density in their neighborhood. Well, let's look at what downtown is good at. Lean into density. Downtown is one of the few places you need density to justify the land cost. So downtown can be a part of the transit solution that our region is looking at, part of the affordable housing solution. And then the city and CDC had the foresight to build parks. Now, nobody could have predicted the pandemic. But the parks were used in such a different way during the pandemic. They provided, I think, a respite that we were all seeking and searching for. We needed to get outside. (laughs) We needed to get outside. And we had people at Columbus Commons, like, they've been taking care of that park for 12 years since we opened it. But because people would go to work and come back, and that's when the lawn looked manicured and the flowers looked placed, they sort of believe, like my husband does, that there's a dishwasher fairy. Like, someone (laughs) is doing it. Well, I do. So they saw them. Our folks at Columbus Commons, they got brownies baked for them, homemade masks before you could easily get it, alcohol rubs before you could get it. They were supplying the Commons team because they were grateful that something was done. And I think that's one of the differentiators downtown. So let's talk more about the income tax bit that you just had shared, because obviously downtown is home to some of Columbus's major employers. And Nick, you started to hit on this. How will office space be reimagined in downtown as some shift to a hybrid model permanently, but you also want to still attract an income tax base? So what is that going to look like? And and Nick, if you want to take the first part of that, that would be great. Sure. I think a a lot of it will, you will see conversion um, and more multi-uses of our buildings, right? We look at the PNC tower, for instance, that's being converted uh, to residential. There's some office and a lot of commercial on the ground floor. And so I think those mix of uses is how we're going to get there. You see a big rise in a lot of virtual office space, right, where folks may need a conference room or need an office for a portion of their work, and maybe they don't, they don't need it for the majority of their work, but there's an opportunity for that. And so I think continuing to see how we can reimagine these spaces so they become multi-use Uh, so that we get more folks in downtown is really what you're going to see us move towards. The other thing that we do have is a great opportunity. um, And, and, you know, my former boss, Mayor Coleman, would say he hates them and wish they would be obliterated, but are the surface parking lots and are the open land. You know, to think about the 14th largest city, fastest growing city in the Midwest, it it is an asset to have actual developable land in your downtown, right? Not many downtowns can say that. And so I think, again, continuing to go down this path of mixed-use thinking forward about how we utilize our land uh, so that folks can then have that ability to work from home, 
to work from a virtual office, to work from a coffee shop, or whatever their choice may be. I, I think uh, the council member is absolutely right. 200 acres of downtown is surface parking lots. And we can be, uh, we can certainly mourn the fact that in the 60s, we didn't have a code in place to prevent knocking things down, historic stock of buildings and creating surface lots. We can mourn the fact that all the skyscrapers along Broad Street were approved and built without parking, or we can look at it like it is. That's the reality, so we've got to see it as an opportunity. And some of the neighborhood creation that's occurring, like on the peninsula, is occurring because we can go in there and build 330 units in phase one and another 400 in phase two. We can build 250,000 square feet of office and a 200-key hotel. And, and that's all happening because the land was there. And when we talk to colleagues across the country, they're a bit envious of that because they're going in and doing nine or 10 unit buildings because they're having to um, go in and retrofit. So there's a pro and con to both. You have to live with you know the, the cards that you're dealt. And, and, and part of that income tax piece is about density, right? And uh, downtown being able to go the next level when it comes to density. We know that all of our neighborhoods across Columbus are going to become denser uh, because that means a better quality of life for folks. And right now, 44 people per day are moving to Franklin County, right? Hmm. Now, if you want to do the calculation, what, 80% of Franklin County is the city of Columbus, you know, so take 80% of those 44, they're moving here. Right. And so I hear from a lot of folks, you guys are building all this stuff. Who's moving into them? 44 people mm -hmm. per day are moving here and calling Columbus home. And so to capture that density and, and in order for us to have a mixed use of incomes as well in downtown is going to be critical to that. So it's not just all high end office. But when you invest in residential, what you're going to get is truly a mix of the city. And we're a place where everyone can call home. Amy, you said something before we started, too, about it important, being important to see where we've been. Yeah. Tell, tell me more about that. I, I think it's really important that we don't forget where we came from. Development takes time. And that's hard for people like me. I, I like to see uh, change happen quickly, but that's not the nature of development. So you need to remember that at one point we had a river that was a mud flat and it was 600 feet artificially widened and you could walk across it with high waders. And there always seemed to be a shopping cart in the Scioto River in the section of downtown. <laughs> it wasn't even the same shopping cart. And now we have what is the iconic image of our city, which is uh, the Scioto Greenways. The river is naturally restored to its original channel of 330 feet across. It's got pools and riffles, and you can see an eagle swoop down and catch a fish because aquatic life can actually live there. And all of a sudden, the 33 acres of green space, green space that was created happened. I, I oftentimes talk with people who are now dealing with a failed downtown mall. Our mall failed early. So when City Center failed in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, and we took it down and created Columbus Commons, we know what it works. So people are calling to say, how'd you do it? And what did you make work? What we found is that a mixed use development anchored by a green space, what was right. And that our community didn't want to give up that because regardless of what City Center did or didn't do, it made people feel like it was theirs. And I think Columbus Commons is the same way. I got goosebumps when you gave me that visual because of, of what we've seen it come from and what was created. It's just, it's really incredible. And to know that we can do that with people next, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like given the strategic plan of what you guys are talking about. I, absolutely. And I think that what Amy feels that we feel downtown is everywhere in Columbus. It is a growing city. And so I've always said this, and my colleague on council, uh, Councilmember Barroso de Padilla says this as well, is that progress is the tension between honoring where you've been and the sacrifices that have to be made of where you want to go. Mm -hmm. 
And those tension is where we see ourselves now in that we are in a birthing moment uh, for the city of Columbus. Uh, and I am not a woman, so I will make sure I, I, <laughs> but I, but, but I have a 19 month old and I was in the room and birthing is a painful process. There's pain that has to go through it, but the joy that comes after it and the, 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 birth, the birthing process itself, right? It gives you this new renaissance. And so that's where we are right now as a city is that we have gone through this birthing process and we're still in it. And so it may be painful for some folks like myself, right? Who have that nostalgia, but understanding that where we are going, if we get lean in together, we can go there together and no one can be left behind. Are there specific initiatives, Nick, for both small and minority-owned businesses that you want to let listeners know about while you're here that they should be looking into? Sure. So I, I, I talked about the downtown marketplace piece, and I will go in a little bit more detail. Really what that is looking at is how do we invest intentionally in that ground floor activity? So these are our small minority women-owned businesses that are at a growth stage. Uh, they're at a stage where they can maybe get into brick and mortar. The program has three components. Uh, that is going to be a component of upfront capital uh, that will be invested to help with tenant improvements, to help lower down that lease payment. Uh, also working with a third party to be uh, the, the um, uh, master leaseholder to help take some of that risk away from developers and to help negotiate uh, better leases is part one of it and the biggest piece of it. Second part is a rental guarantee. And so that's working to ensure that we're removing that barrier in the first three years of business because we know that's the hardest. So that's paying 50% of that lease up front, 30% in year two, 10% in year three, with the hopes that in year four, that business is thriving and ready to go on on its own. And then the last piece of that is, and it's a part of my office's um, priorities, is sustainability. So surrounding that business with the wraparound services and technical assistance they need uh, to be successful. Because we know it's not just enough to say, hey, here's some grant money, here's a, a building, go, ha go have at it. You gotta have uh, the right business acumen, you gotta have the right technical skills to make you successful. Uh, and part of this program that we want is that we want folks to see themselves in downtown, but we wanna see them be successful uh, in downtown. The other piece that our office is working on and that we'll roll out, this is actually the first interview I got to say it, so you get to- Oh, get we get some, the scoop, I'm yeah, so excited. Is uh, we have a $500,000 fund that was passed in this operating budget that will go to um, micro grants for small businesses for equipment, technology, software, you name it, to help your business go to the next level. So this can be something as small as an Adobe subscription for a year for a graphic designer, as big as a down payment uh, for a new lawnmower for a lawn care company, uh, right? And so it's really how do we remove the barriers for our small businesses to give them the access that they need to go and to grow so that they can go to the next level. So I'm really excited about those two programs that are coming out of my office this year. You're nodding your head over here. What advice do you have for businesses, including those small business owners who are looking to open in Columbus based on everything that Nick was sharing? I think sometimes downtown can feel like where you go when you've arrived. Like I'm going to actually, that's the thing you're striving for. I want to get to downtown eventually. And I think the the mindset that Council Member Bankston, City to City, what we're trying to do is say, 
actually downtown is where you can thrive. It's where you can start and it's where you can end and, and everything in between. Because if we continue to just put in people who have already succeeded downtown, then we're missing what people really love about downtowns and have loved about downtown since the beginning of time. It's the crossroads of commerce and culture. It's where you can get started. It's where you can find something that you can't get anywhere else. And, and one thing to remember, not just, I wouldn't say this to businesses, but for people like me, the, the more institutional folks, is there was a lot of grants that came through ARPA. And they were to help, especially restaurants, stay open. So we found that a lot of downtown businesses didn't take advantage of them. So we went out and talked to them and figured it, all we had to do was just explain it. And they'd sign up and get $10,000. And what we found is that that's not what they wanted to do. And in fact, one gentleman said, I make food. Why don't you pay me to make food? And so what we started, ding dong, I heard you know, the light bulb went over my head. And what we decided to do is start a Lunchbox program. We wanted to remind people who work downtown that there's a benefit to coming to work. You don't have to go to the refrigerator and make your lunch. So twice a week, we offer, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we offer a $10 coupon to participating restaurants. We're at like 40. And you can go use it that day for lunch. And so there is something called a free lunch, and it's downtown, and it's called Lunchbox. And we're investing in the restaurants that stayed open. We're investing in the people who are coming back to work. And it's been a win-win. And the city's been a great partner. The state and Jobs Ohio are also partners. My team members go and get it all <laughs> the time. They set it on their calendar. I mean, this is how this is how serious they are about it. it it's, it's one of those, um, the thing that the light bulb just has to go on to do. So, okay, we, ta- we have established it takes time. Vision and execution take time. But Amy, what can we look forward to seeing in the short term, do you think, in terms of next steps? I think one of the next steps that we're going to be starting on right now, well, a few things. One, the downtown strategic plan, that's the year of figuring out what the community wants. So that was 2022. What does the community want their downtown to be? It's not my downtown. It's not the council member's downtown. It's not even Mayor Ginther's downtown. It's our downtown as a community. And that's what we did. And we went out and we presented a a bunch of catalytic projects that will change how people engage with downtown. The second thing that you have to start, the second part of the phase, the sequencing, is what out of that is both technically and, and financially feasible. Because there can be a lot of good ideas, but until you figure out if they can actually be accomplished, we can't put them on a path to success. And then the third part, which will probably occur in 2024, is executing those plans. Now, the nice part is we've got uh, the downtown marketplace that the council member mentioned, and we're hoping, I know, to work with him and get that jump started so that we can start to see some action. Uh, looking at piloting things in areas that have already achieved some success, so we're partnering Uh, retailers with places that have already proven that they can be a retail hub downtown and then trying to grow from that. You mentioned Common Thread. Uh, That was a part of the original city center garage. Back in the 80s, Capital South and the team back then was forced to do retail, even though they were creating a million square foot mall that certainly was not going to support street level retail. So it was a bit counterintuitive. It's been basically vacant since then. We had it. We had this idea that lean into food and fashion. Those are the two things that Columbus is really growing in. And we love those areas. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to get uh, really noticed for what's happening organically here. And so that's where Common Thread was born. And one of my favorite parts about Common Thread is not just the people in it, but that when you get there, you see a beautiful, large public art piece. We're trying to layer things and layer that experience. So I think some of the things that people are going to see early on is the change in retail. 
Um, people want to come back downtown, but they want a reason. And that's our job jointly to figure out the reason. I did my Christmas shopping there. Well, it wait, was, I love that. Yeah, I but, do too. I mean, so in, people have to go. You have to experience it if you've not gone by the time, you know, this goes online, this episode. You guys got to go. I mean, it is that layered experience with really unique products and these owners that are amazing. So please check it out. And, and, and all local. Right? All local, and yeah. A, and even with the downtown marketplace, we're going to be targeting local businesses. This isn't something that you can recreate on Amazon. It's not something that you can order on DoorDash. You have to go experience it. Uh, and I know that we've gotten comfortable uh, in our homes, but we got to come back out and be intentional uh, about patroning these places and understanding to what Amy said, it's our downtown. And, and it is the symbol of who we are when we go places. When you say I'm from Columbus, Ohio, you want to be proud of that. And it's something that we all own and that we all can share in. One of the reasons we have conversations like the one we're having on CBuzz is because we believe that, you know, continued personal and professional development, one of the most valuable aspects as a leader in business. So I'd love to hear what's influencing you lately, whether it's a podcast, book, show, or involvement in some kind of group. We've, we've talked a lot about the things that are being developed and how you're a part of it, but what's like personally influencing you right now? You know, what's driving me right now is my little one, uh, Xavier Kamal Banks. He's 19 months old. Uh, part of the impetus why I ran for office, right, is thinking about what kind of community he's going to inherit. Um, and so every day getting to sit in a seat to help drive vision and drive changes and policy that create a better community for him is really what keeps me going and keeps me, uh, well, keeps me up at night is really him. <laughs> um, but it, it is it is the driving force uh, for me. And so I think about, again, this next chapter of our city's history and where does he see himself, uh, right, in the city? And I want him to say that downtown or any place in this community, he's welcome and that he feels a part of the fabric of the city. I'm really interested in uh, this guy. His name's Chris Carter, K-R-I-S, Carter. He's in Boston. He's working with uh, the new Urban Mechanics. And when I follow him and I read what he writes, um, I really am interested. He's not just looking at the big picture. Sometimes I can get caught up in the big, big picture. I like the idea of changing a riverfront, tearing down a mall, things that can take five years but, but are really city changing. And what he's brought to light for me is that sometimes it's the small stuff that really are, is a change maker and change attitudes and perceptions. And so when you're walking around downtown and you want to see public art, when you're walking around and you're looking at the streetscape, you're looking in the public realm, how fast are cars going? How do people park? Is it one way or two way? These kind of things can really influence what you believe your downtown is. And I think it's been good for me to hear that. When I'm walking around with my daughter, I want to feel good. I want to feel like I'm in a downtown that I'm proud of, that I feel comfortable having my daughter and her friends down. And some of the things that he's pointed out are things that I think I missed earlier in my career. And I'm glad to continue to grow and evolve as a person. That's what we all have got to do, right? Absolutely. Councilmember Banks and Amy, the time always goes so fast. It's been a joy to talk to you. So thank you for sharing your perspective and insight onto where we're going next. Absolutely. Thank you for covering this. Uh, and I think it's, again, it's so critical. And we keep saying it. It sounds cliche, but it's true. Downtown is everyone's neighborhood. It cannot be recreated uh, in any place. It is unique of its own. Uh, and the city is unapologetically uh, standing with the CDDC and other partners to continue to invest to make sure that it's a downtown that's worthy of the next generation and proud uh, and makes everyone proud who calls Columbus home. 
Absolutely. I mean, I I often say I have the best job in the world because I get to live a passion and work a passion and get to work with some of the best people, including the council member. So thanks for having us. For our listeners, if you want to learn more about all of Amy and Nick's endeavors, please visit www.columbusddc.com. That's columbusddc.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to let us know by sharing your ratings and reviews on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you may be listening, your favorite podcatcher, as they call them. Um, And that's really a way for us to find your reviews and you can tell us what stories that you want to hear. We read your feedback. We value your ideas as we plan future episodes. CBuzz is proudly produced in collaboration with Capital University. We want to say special thank you to their talented students, faculty, and staff for really helping bring this program to life for you, our listeners. Once again, I'm Michaela Hunt, your host for CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's business-focused podcast, and hope to catch you on another one of our upcoming episodes. <laughs>